Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information, the inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Oh, and real quick, before we get to the show, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the Eat to Regain Your Period group coaching or the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching. These two programs will help you take the gas and stress out of period recovery or period maintenance. These are the go-to programs to get your period back twice as quick as doing period recovery alone, restore your fertility, and if you've already got your period back, help you maintain your period for life. If you're listening to this podcast, it tells me you connect to one of these groups. Once in the program, you get a personalized, structured plan with food and exercise recommendations to get your period back, restore your fertility, and maintain it for life. To learn more and apply for the next group coaching program, head over to periodnutrition.com backslash programs dash overview. Hey guys, it's Cynthia, and I'm back with another episode of the Period Recovery Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about a super, super, super important topic in relation to people that are trying to recover their periods. And what is it? Well, it's all about digestive health. And why is digestive health so important to period recovery? Well, that majority of the women who are suffering from a missing period have digestive issues, whether it's IBS, undiagnosed something or another that the doctor said, or constipation, bloating, everything in between. Majority of people with missing periods will have some form of digestive issues. And we're going to dive deep today with a very, very, very special guest, an expert, a colleague of mine, Dr. Heather Finley. And Dr. Heather Finley is a registered dietitian like myself, and she helps people struggling with bloating, constipation, and IBS find relief from their symptoms and feel excited about food again. Heather actually struggled with her own digestive issues nearly 20 years ago and understands firsthand the impact on nutrition, lifestyle, mindset have on digestive health. Gut health shouldn't be restrictive, stressful, and all-consuming. She has developed a simple way that individuals can reduce digestive symptoms and add foods back into their diet. And what's really unique about Dr. Heather is that she has been featured in tons of publications such as Mind Body Green, Yahoo, Life and Very Well Health. And Dr. Heather Finley obtained her doctorate in clinical nutrition from Maryland University of Integrative Health. I'm so excited to have this chat with Dr. Heather. It's been a long time coming and I know you guys are going to find it so helpful. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Period Recovery Podcast. And today, my colleague and I, Dr. Heather Finley, and I, we are going to be talking about gut health. We're going to be talking about how interconnected your gut and your underfueling is. And even if you don't think you're under eating, I still want you to listen in. So, Dr. Heather Finley, welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. 
Thanks so much for having me. I feel like this has been a long time in the works, so I'm excited to be here. Yes, it has. And you just started your, well, not just started, but you started your podcast. Was it in the beginning of 2022? It was in May. So it was in May. I guess six months ago. Yes, yes, because I started mine, I think, not too long after. So very exciting to have you on here and bring all this wealthful of knowledge that you have on gut health. And also Dr. Heather Finley, she not is only a colleague of mine, but also was a mentor of mine. And I learned so much about gut health from her. So let's talk. I guess let's start with the connection between underfueling or undereating. And again, those that are listening, even if you don't think you're underfueling, I'm just using this as context and the connection with the gut. And then we'll talk more about bloating. We'll talk more about everything else that is connected that maybe you didn't think was. Yeah. So just to kind of kick it off, I think it's helpful for people to understand what bloating is and what's normal and what's not, and then how underfueling can be connected with that. So, and like Cynthia said, a lot of times people don't think that they're underfueling and they definitely are. So, definitely don't just turn this off if you think it doesn't apply to you. But bloating, a lot of people wonder like, is bloating normal? Is it not normal? Are there pieces of it that can be normal? So, just to kind of define what's normal and what's not about bloating. Bloating can be normal. You know, if you eat a large plate of broccoli or a large plate of raw vegetables, it can be completely normal to get bloated after that. If you are bloated regardless of what you eat, then that may not be so normal. It could be normal if you are under fueling and you don't have a period. And I use normal with quotes, like that could be your norm, but because of all the underlying other things that are going on. So if you're chronically bloated all the time, you have really bad distension, then that might not be so normal. But if you occasionally bloat because you ate a lot of raw vegetables or you ate a lot of beans or gas-forming foods, that can be completely normal. So there's no need to cause panic about that. But when it comes to underfueling, really the simplest way that I can describe why bloating happens when it comes to underfueling is it's an energy equation. So similar to probably the mini podcast that Cynthia has on period recovery and eating enough calories and eating enough energy to get your period back, the same thing applies to your digestion. Unfortunately and fortunately, your gut is a non-essential organ, meaning that Your body is going to prioritize using fuel from your food that you consume to keep your heart, your lungs, and your brain functioning correctly. So if you don't have enough fuel, then it's prioritizing those three things and taking fuel away from things like your GI tract and your period, your hormones. So If you are underfueling, the body lacks energy to actually get the gut muscle to contract. Now, if you're thinking like the gut is a muscle, yes, the gut is a muscle. And just like any other organ in your body, it needs fuel to contract. So if you, you know, have ever tried to go run five miles after you haven't eaten in a long time, you probably didn't feel super great. In a similar fashion, the gut needs fuel to work effectively. So without that proper fuel, the gut isn't working. And that can lead to lots of things like bloating, constipation, gas, etc. because 
things are sitting in the GI tract longer, they're fermenting and potentially causing overgrowth, which we can get into if you want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, which can lead to a lot of the unwanted symptoms that you have. And thank you so much for sharing that, um, Heather, because, you know, I think I can say, you know, many of my my clients have said in the past, like, oh, you know, I've been to, you know, doctors and GI specialists and I and I have all these GI problems. And when really because of the gut, because of, you know, these, I don't want to say the sex hormones, but because the gut and the GI tract is a non-essential thing. It's just not getting the proper energy to do its job properly and optimally and normally. And so I think we just, we focus there and we're, we're kind of missing the bigger picture, right? Of the under eating itself. And that, that stems to so many different things, right? I mean, because it's so normalized to underfuel in our, in our culture, in our society, you know, many will think their body is an energy equation, right? That, you know, calories in versus calories out. And that since I'm this height, since I'm this weight, I need these amount of calories according to whatever online calculator you used. The thing it comes down to is what you think your body needs as far as fuel and rest and what your body actually needs to run at an optimal place are two different things, right? Totally. Yeah. So, which can be sometimes so hard to determine, like, am I eating enough? Well, (laughs) Dr. Heather Finley and I can tell you, if you are having GI issues in combination with a missing period, you are definitely not eating enough. So we can totally say that 100% for sure. And so I also wanted to touch quickly upon the lots of veggies, right? Mm Because many of us listening might be veggie lovers. If you are missing your period and also are a veggie lover, I can give you a little bit of advice, but I wanted to know from you, Heather, like many get really worried that they're not getting enough nutrients, you know, Mm -hmm. when they're not eating their vegetables. But yeah, what is your take on that? Is it, do you feel like it's more important to fuel than worry about the veggies? And if so, why? Yeah. So this is a vicious cycle and I have a lot of opinions or thoughts about this, not even really opinions. Like these are things that I know to be true from research, but here's the the bottom line. If you can't even digest the veggies you're eating, then that defeats the whole purpose, right? So if you're so focused on just getting in tons of vegetables throughout the day. I mean, don't get me wrong. Vegetables are amazing for your health. Of course, they are good for your gut. Of course, that being said, if you're overdoing it on the vegetables, that can definitely be a piece of why you are struggling with GI issues or missing your period or both because there, and there's a lot of avenues here. One is you might be getting too full on the vegetables that then you're lacking the other nutrients. We don't just get nutrients from fruits and vegetables. We get nutrients from protein. We get nutrients from fat. And especially when you're focused on absorbing nutrients from vegetables, you need to also be eating fat specifically to help with absorbing fat soluble vitamins but then you also need to be eating protein because really amino acids which come from protein which obviously fruits and vegetables have some but they're not going to be primarily protein the the structure 
of a lot of things in the body is amino acids. And so all that to say, we could go into like a big biochemistry lesson, but we're not going to do that. If you can't break down the food you're eating because you're so focused on getting vegetables and therefore missing the other nutrients that you need, then it can just become a really vicious cycle because you need the other things in your diet to do a variety of other things. And also, if we start with like how digestion even functions, you need adequate stomach acid to be able to digest vitamins and minerals. And without adequate other nutrients in your diet, specifically zinc, um, which we get primarily from protein, you can't make adequate stomach acid levels, which we see a lot of clients, they struggle with bloating and specifically bloating like right after a meal tends to go to more the digestive side of things. So if you're struggling with like you eat a meal immediately within like an hour or two, you're bloated. It could be that you're not breaking that food down as well as you could be. It could be stomach acid related. It could be pancreatic enzyme related. It could be bile flow related. It could be the trifecta of all three of them. But you want to look at stomach acid. You want to look at your pancreatic output. You want to look at bile flow. And the building blocks of those things come from other nutrients. So that's kind of a long way to say veggies are great. And they, a lot of them help to feed our good gut bacteria, which by the way, you have trillions of bacteria in your gut, which is pretty interesting. And, but we also need the other nutrients too. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing that, Heather, because, you know, what I heard from you is that the nutrients are super important. If you have this heavy focus on vegetables, and I know I was like every single meal had to contain vegetables, like, or it just wasn't right. I, you know, now I could sometimes even go a day without eating any vegetables, but they hit, they have their place for sure. But back to the nutrient part of it, you know, the fat source of things, carbohydrates and protein are essential, but even, even above that, like going a step further is that the overall energy intake, if that is inadequate and not supporting that, then, you know, even if, like you said, you know, it could be low stomach acid. So there's a treatment for that pancreatic enzyme. There's a treatment for that. Really, would any of those treatments even work if we continued to under fuel? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's, I think, I know we were kind of riffing a little bit before we pressed play on this is like things your naturopath or things your doctor won't tell you is like, you know, they might give you pancreatic enzymes or they might give you stomach acid support or, you know, whatever it is, something to help with digestion. And those things can be great tools. But at the end of the day, you want to be addressing the reason why you can't digest food, right? Like, because you don't want to be taking enzymes for the rest of your life, I would imagine. So if you're taking pancreatic enzymes or you're taking digestive enzymes or you're taking stomach acid support, we want to look at, okay, what are the reasons why your body's not producing enough stomach acid? What are the reasons why your pancreatic output is slow? What, you know, why is your bile flow sluggish? And Underfueling can definitely be one of those reasons. Most of the time, we see clients, the typical client that lands in our program is the client that says they've tried everything. Like, I've tried all the things, I've gone to all the doctors, I've done all the alternative treatments. And I would tell you, probably at least eight out of 10 times, most of the time, a piece of why they haven't gotten better 
is because they're not eating enough or there's not enough balance in what they're eating. Like you said, like there's a heavy emphasis on one thing and a lack of emphasis on the others. They need to focus on getting a wide variety of foods and also a good balance of the macronutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. Yeah. So overall energy intake is just so essential to so many things. And I can also tell you, Heather, like I've had many women come through my practice and, you know, say, oh, I have this digestion, that digestion, and the majority clear up because they start to fuel adequately and eat enough and eat a variety of carbs, fats, and proteins. So it's pretty cool when we give our body the food and energy it needs, how it really loves us back and gets our digestion back up, gets our sex hormones going again so we can get our periods back and and even conceive. So very, very cool. And I, I did want to just don't want to go down that that rabbit hole too much, but I know there's many, many of your clients and my clients out there that do seek maybe a naturopath help uh, or even a GI docs help prior to coming to either of us. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, things that your naturopath or whoever might not tell you is, you know, that maybe you're not eating enough. And is there any other, I guess, maybe red flags to to look out for when it comes to going to, you know, someone else for for gut issues. I think the red flags would be there's a couple. One is if they just immediately try to put you on a medication and they don't ask any questions about like your nutrition, your lifestyle, even things like sleep, your hydration, your nervous system, like those things matter so much. So if you're just like immediately written a script and sent out the door, that would be a red flag to me. The other thing is if they're giving the same treatment to every person, that's also a red flag because at the end of the day, you know, the reason that you're bloated could be completely different from the reason that I'm bloated. And although some of the foundational treatments might be the same, you have to personalize it. So if someone's just handing you a handout and says like, follow this and here's like, here's what you need to do then that in my mind is typically problematic. And then another red flag is if you tell someone you have digestive issues and their first comment is you just need to go on low FODMAP or you need to try an elimination diet or you need to cut out XYZ food, then that's a huge red flag to me because especially if you're someone who's already done elimination diets or you are already eating very few foods because of your digestive issues, the last thing you want to do is cut out more foods because our gut thrives on variety. And so at the end of the day, if you can't tolerate a wide variety of food, that says more about your gut than it does about food. And so we have to fix the gut issue so that the food issue resolves. Ah, very interesting. Uh, Because I feel like I hear that a lot. And especially as a dietitian throughout the years, like go on the elimination diet, go on, you know, the low FODMAP diet. And yeah, it's, it's just nice to know that there is, there is another way. And so speaking of these kind of elimination diets, you know, a lot of times I hear from followers of mine, clients of mine, they're gluten intolerant, or they're dairy intolerant, you know, and I'm assuming it might have started somewhere where someone was like, oh, you need to cut out gluten or your whatever, 
cut out dairy because whatever gut issues were holding on and then and then become afraid to eat that stuff. So I guess how would you really know if you truly have some type of gluten intolerance or celiac disease? Yes. Well, the best way to know if you have celiac disease is obviously to get checked at a GI doctor. Get the biopsy, see if you have celiac disease. Some like preliminary things that you can do before that would be you could even get the genetic test to see if you have the gene for celiac because if you don't have the gene, you can't get celiac. So you could get the genetic test. That's a less invasive way of testing yourself to just see if you have the presence of the gene. And then there are other tests. Like you can, there are tests for gluten intolerance. There's a marker that we use often called anti-gliadin that's going to look at an immune response to gluten. But the thing that you want to know here is that if you don't have celiac disease and you do have gluten intolerance, there's a reason why. And usually it's a deeper gut issue. So without getting into like too much physiology here, a lot of times it goes back in specific to clients that we're talking about right now, under eating, under fueling, loss of period. There's a marker that we see on some testing that we do called secretory IgA. And basically what you need to know about that marker is it's looking at the function of the gut immune system. And you need lots of nutrients to support this, specifically vitamin A and vitamin D. So kind of going back to the veggie conversation, we're not absorbing fat-soluble vitamins. That can affect that. But we see this marker very chronically low in people that are underfueling, overly stressed, under-eating, over-exercising, the whole gamut. Essentially what secretory IgA does is when you eat a food, Secretory IgA essentially wraps that food like a blanket. So it will wrap that food in a blanket and tell your immune system, we're safe, don't attack this. And so when you have low amounts of secretory IgA because your IgA is depleted from stress, under eating, nutrient deficiencies, whatever it might be, you will have more food sensitivities. So that could be gluten sensitivity. That could be something else. And so secretory IgA is really important for this piece here. And kind of like you said, when someone's able to restore their period, eat enough calories, and eventually support that secretory IgA number, the food sensitivities go away. I don't know if you want to get into the difference between like an intolerance and a sensitivity, but we could definitely break that down if you want to. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk about that. And I also too will we'll come back to during that transitional time of, you know, maybe having that deficiency and kind of how to work work through that. Let's dig into that a little just a, a tiny bit with, you know, what is an intolerance versus sensitivity mm-hmm. and and so forth. Yeah. So the I think the easiest way to describe it is like lactose intolerance and then sensitivities. So a sensitivity is exactly that. You are sensitive to a food. It's causing some type of symptom that could be GI related. It could be rashes. It could be migraines. It could be acne, whatever it is. Typically, the more permeable your gut is or the lower that IgA number is, the more sensitivities you have, you will have. So these are the people that, you know, get Instagram targeted and they go take a food sensitivity test from some Instagram ad that they 
found and they get the results back and they have like 75 foods that they're sensitive to. And they're like, I knew it. I knew that food was the problem. See? And they're showing you this result. And what I say to that is that's wonderful that you just discovered that 75 foods you're sensitive to. But what I care about is the reason why you're sensitive to that many foods. That goes back to that secretory IgA conversation. It can also go back to underfueling, stress, the nervous system, nutrient deficiencies, gut infections. There's a whole host of things that can cause that. So essentially what food sensitivities are showing us is that there's a gut issue. So you can resolve food sensitivities by fixing the gut. And intolerance is a little bit different. So if you are lactose intolerant, you probably avoid drinking a cup of milk like the plague because it probably makes you very uncomfortable. You might drink a cup of milk and you might have really bad gas. You might have diarrhea. You might just generally feel terrible. And that is because you lack the enzyme to break it down. You lactase to break down lactose, which is found in the milk. So there are ways that you can approach that too. You can take enzymes to help digest or you can do lactose free and see if you tolerate that better. And that can help you distinguish, is it the lactose that I'm intolerant to or is it the milk that's causing the problem? So that just hopefully at least maybe shed some light on the difference because I think a lot of times people think an intolerance is the same thing as a sensitivity, but there is a difference. Yes. No, that is so helpful. And I'm so glad you brought up the, you know, if somebody goes and gets food sensitivity testing and they're like, oh my gosh, like look at all these foods I'm sensitive to. And thus, you know, they're already on a restrictive diet and then they restrict more, worsening their gut health. And also if their period is already missing, worsening that, or maybe even potentially making their period go missing. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, a great thing to clear up. And, you know, thinking about what is the underlying issue of why this is happening, right? And I think Mm -hmm. same thing goes with, you know, my approach uh, for period recovery is like, okay, well, why? What are the behaviors leading to why our period went missing? Anyways, I wanted to just quickly chat about, you know, this, tell me if I'm saying this right, secretory IgA. Let's just say this is happening because we are underfueling. And so, and it's causing maybe lots of bloat and you know, any other problems, what, are there any supportive things aside from starting to fuel ourselves again, that one might be able to do to kind of lessen the uncomfortableness of the bloating or just overall just uncomfortableness of eating that food? Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do. And obviously exactly what you just said, working on eating enough calories is obviously important. And then on the other side, like foundationally, getting enough sleep, There, people underestimate how helpful sleep is. Sleep is when your body rests and digests. <laughs> so if you're not getting seven, eight, nine hours of sleep, then you definitely need to prioritize that. But then there are things that you can take that are going to support secretory IgA. Like I said, vitamin D and vitamin A are very helpful. Please note that these are both fat-soluble vitamins. So you can't just take insane amounts of these and, you know, hope for the best. You do want to work with somebody to make sure that you're not taking too much because too much can cause too much of a problem as well. So starting with vitamin D, you can go get your vitamin D levels checked and make sure that they're in the optimal range. Vitamin A, you can focus on eating vitamin A rich foods. 
on the like fruits and vegetables side of things, anything that's red, but the more, I guess, dense and easier to absorb sources of vitamin A are actually going to be from like organ meats, which you might not want to eat. So (laughs) take that for what it is. But if you want to go eat some liver, go for it. Mm. On the supplement side of things, there are specific probiotics that actually help with secretory IgA. So Saccharomyces boulardii, it's actually not a probiotic, it's a yeast, but this helps to boost secretory IgA levels. There are spore-based probiotics that are really helpful for boosting secretory IgA. So like the bacillus strains are helpful for this. And then you can take immunoglobulins. So these are typically from bovine sources, but immunoglobulins or colostrum can be helpful as well. And I say all that with the disclaimer of don't just go buy this. Like, Please consult your medical provider before you just go take a bunch of random things, just a general list of things that could be helpful. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that, Heather, because some of us listening might say, oh my gosh, this sounds like me and I'm going to go. No, no, no. This is (laughs) something that definitely should be under the supervision of a healthcare professional. Could be your medical doctor. It could be working with Dr. Heather Finley. Keep that in mind. But nonetheless, fueling everything I'm hearing goes back to eating enough and eating enough and eating enough because those fat soluble vitamins that Heather mentioned, like those are not going to be absorbed if you are not eating any fat or eating a very small amount of fat, right? Another interesting thing I'll add actually, which I think is super applicable to your audience is there's actual research showing that negative thought patterns will lower IgA levels. So If you are a client who's had chronic digestive symptoms, chronic bloating, maybe you've been diagnosed with SIBO, whatever it is, it might be your thoughts. (laughs) Um, Maybe your thoughts about yourself, your body. We find a lot of our clients are struggling with this because they don't engage in pleasurable activities. So maybe they don't have any hobbies. Maybe they never go out and do anything fun because they're isolating themselves. And I know that's probably very true for your clients as well. But if you have no enjoyment, no pleasure, no fun in your life, that's actually going to drive that secretory IgA level down too. So you could be going and taking all the supplements I just mentioned, but that's not going to replete that number if you have really negative thought patterns and your nervous system is super dysregulated and there's no joy in your life. So I would start there because then if you do decide to use any kind of supplement, it's going to actually be effective. I love, love, love that you mentioned that because I am all about the pleasure, about the joy. And I think I look at myself for an example, back in the day when I was under fueling and well, I didn't think I was under fueling and over exercising. I didn't think I was over exercising. Like that was my life. Like that's all I did. My life revolved around eating clean, maybe enjoying myself once in a while and exercising all the time. It is really all I did. When I started to realize like my period was missing and all that, I started to add, and this is long story, very, very, very short. I did, one of the things I did start to do was add more joy back into my life, add more pleasure back into my life, start to have fun, be a little more spontaneous. But I'll tell you what, before I started doing that, I also was working on eating more because I find, 
and I'm sure there's got to be some research out there about it, but I find, especially with my clients, and I can use myself as an example, that when I was under fueling, I was such an introvert. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go anywhere that was going to mess with my schedule or, you know, impact my workout schedule. If, you know, my friends were staying out late, oh no, I have to go home and go to the gym. Oh, Cynthia is so disciplined. No, Cynthia is miserable right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the thoughts, I, if you ask any of my friends or family members, like, like my personality, like 10 to 15 years ago, they would have told you I was a negative Nancy, just always on edge. Or if you want to say it like quite simply, Cynthia was a bitch, you know, thinking about that, like Heather said about, you know, your thoughts, if your, your thoughts tend to be negative, but also I know many, many, many women will say how much their thoughts and how much happier they feel once they start fueling again and eating more. So that's, you know, really important. And to do it simultaneously, start to eat more and start to go have some fun, have Mm -hmm. fun. And I had a couple clients uh, say to me, it was uh, right before Halloween and they're like, I'm going to a Halloween party and, you know, is alcohol okay or whatever. And I said, the only thing you need to do when you go to the Halloween party is have fun you know, have Mm -hmm. fun, laugh, you know, have drinks, have food, whatever it is, just have fun. So I'm glad, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is, is such a huge component. And just throwing out there too, for those out there that are like, well, exercise is fun to me and it's my stress relief. And what do you say what do you say to that? And also, you know, how is that over exercising? And I guess it's it's an overall energy deficiency, but you know, could those increase in stress hormones like cortisol, adrenaline that are, are occurring, especially in someone who's under fuel, affect the gut? So I guess the first question is, you know, what do you think about the using exercise as a sole form of stress relief and joy? And then second would be, you know, how is that that impacting our, our gut? Yeah, I mean, and that used to be me too. I thought the only way that I could quote unquote, manage my digestive symptoms was if I ran five, six miles a day. That was actually making everything worse. Like I thought I I felt better, but the reality was that was the only way I was getting any sort of dopamine hit throughout the day. And so that's why I felt better is you, I was getting that like quick runner's high. And so I was addicted to that runner's high when I, what I didn't realize is that there's many other ways to feel good throughout the day that don't involve running six miles. And that was a very unhealthy way of dealing with stress and life circumstances. And so I guess my question to the listener would be, is it really fun? And if it is, that's great. But how else are you bringing in fun? And also, are you resting enough too? Because if you are listening and you're like, I have a period, my digestion is on point, then like there's nothing wrong with going for a run. But making sure that you're fueling properly, getting enough rest and recovering and that your life doesn't revolve around it, how else are you getting fun? Yes. Yeah. How is doing that intense exercise, you know, that you're getting your heart rate up, increasing cortisol, adrenaline, how is, you know, that impacting your gut health? Yeah. So there's a lot of mechanisms here, but the one that comes to mind first is when you exercise, blood flow is shunted away from your gut to your muscles for obvious reasons, because you're using those muscles. 
So if you're, if you feel bloated right after exercise, it's partially because of that. It can be from fluid imbalances and electrolyte imbalances as well. But when you are over-exercising and under-fueling, naturally your cortisol levels will be higher from the stress. Your body doesn't know the difference between being chased by an actual tiger or from being in a workout too long or not resting enough. Stress is stress to the body. So whether you woke up too early because you couldn't miss your workout or because there's a tiger chasing you to the workout, your body doesn't know. So any form of stress, even if it's a positive thing, is going to affect cortisol levels. And that's not to say that we don't want any cortisol. We do because that's what wakes us up in the morning. But what we see often is people are running on adrenaline all day long. Their cortisol levels are super high. This actually affects blood sugar. And my clients know that I always am preaching blood sugar balance, which I'm sure you are as well, like making sure people are getting adequate protein, fat, and carbohydrate. Because anytime your blood sugar dips and it's too low, your cortisol is spiking. Anytime your blood sugar is too high, that's affecting your stress hormones, your insulin, and the whole system is interconnected. So you can't isolate these things. At the end of the day, the overfuel or the overexercising and the underfueling is dysregulating your cortisol and it's dysregulating even insulin levels. And that's affecting the whole process. And eventually you reach the point of burnout where like your body's just like done. Um, there's no cortisol. You're completely flatlined. Your adrenals are completely burnt out because they're just tired. And so this is when you hit the point of like, I want to, but I can't. Like, I want to get out of bed and go for a run, but I literally can't. I feel exhausted. And so obviously you don't want to get to that point to then finally decide, oh, I'll do something about this. But sadly, that is what happens a lot of times. It does. And that's a, it's a hard, it's harder to dig yourself out of that point because for a while, those stress hormones are going to do their nice old job and keep you sustained and keep you feeling like you're energized, even though you are running off of fumes. And I'm glad you brought up about the adrenals because so many too, I, I think I've, I've heard mostly in comments and DMs on Instagram, adrenal fatigue, you know, my naturopath says my adrenals are fatigued, but your period missing still, you need to eat some more um, and rest yeah. lots more. So thank you for sharing that, that bit. We talked a lot of, a lot about a lot of things. And so I hope everyone's going to find this helpful. And is there anything else, Heather, that you wanted to mention or think is of importance to talk about aside from the handful of other things we chatted about? I think just what I'll leave everybody with is just if you're struggling with digestive issues or loss of period, it doesn't have to be so complicated. I think a lot of times we try to make it super complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think partially that might be just the medical system that we live in. You're like traipsed around from like test to test to try to figure out what's going on. But at the end of the day, we forget so much about how these basic foundational things support our bodies. And so if you feel like you're in a rat race of going from like medical provider to medical provider and you're even more confused than when you started, 
I would take a second and I'd go back to the basics. Like, am I drinking enough water? Am I sleeping enough? Am I moving my body up an appropriate amount? Am I eating enough calories? And go from there because those basics, like we said earlier, are often missed. And without those things in place, even if you address the basics and maybe your period doesn't come back or your digestive issues don't go away, which is typically the client that we see, you still are going to need to have those foundations in place for any treatment to be effective. So you're not going to do any harm by focusing on those four things. So I would go back to the basics and focus on those and try to make everything way less complicated than maybe you've made it in the past and then go from there. Thank you for that advice. And I wish somebody gave that to me back when I was struggling with a missing period and digestive issues because that would have saved me many years. Like having that solid foundation would have saved me many years of like you said, this rat race of going to this doctor, getting that test and this and oh gosh. And you know, by the time I was, I was ready to, you know, eat more and rest more, I was burnt out. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I am so glad you mentioned that. So my last question, I ask all my guests because to me, you know, period recovery is so important, near and dear to my heart, but also getting your period back, but in addition, getting your life back. So I always like to ask all my guests, how are you living now? And it could be, it could be, you know, something you're in a season of craziness or you're in a season of abundance and awesomeness. So it could be good. And I don't want to say bad because anything that's crazy or crappy going on in our life, there's always an opportunity to learn and grow from it. Yeah. How are you living now? I would say I'm living simply, which I'm very happy with. Similar to Cynthia, I have two young children. And so our life just is simple. Like I we do have tons of fun, but we do just spend a lot of time at home with each other. And I love it. So I couldn't be more grateful for just a simple, slower season of life. Although it does feel very busy at times, but just there's less like obligations, which is nice. Yes, yes, absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. And then last up, I know Dr. Heather Finley is while we're recording this podcast right now, is pre-sailing her new book. Tell us what, when, where to expect it, how to get it, and then where to find you if they want to connect with you. Yeah. So it feels surreal to say it, but the Happy Healthy Gut Cookbook is now available for pre-order. I'm not sure when you're airing this, but it will be available December 20th. So if you pre-order it, it will be on your doorstep just in time for Christmas. You can stock everyone's stocking with the book if you'd like to give the gift of gut health. But there's over 50 recipes in the book. There's also a lot of front matter covering how to understand your digestive symptoms and really simple, actionable steps that you can take to improve your digestion. So it's really meant to 
equip you with tools and then give you some delicious recipes to try as a result. There's even like some lifestyle trackers and things in there that you can use as tools as well. The bonus of pre-ordering is that you also get access to four video modules that will support you on your gut health journey. So I would love your support in pre-ordering it or gifting it to someone that you know. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, really anywhere that you buy books. Or if you go over to my Instagram, the link is there as well. So my Instagram is Dr. Heather Finley. Awesome. And you are so welcome. Thank you for coming on and congratulations on your book. And I am so excited to get it myself and um, just really, really appreciate your knowledge base of sharing so many gut health issues um, that could be related to someone that is or is not uh, missing a period. So thank you again, Heather. Thanks so much. Please note, this episode is not an episode for medical advice and you should always consult your healthcare provider prior to making any changes. Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.